0: We are uh, right in the middle of a series called Revive, and it's all around this idea of revival. And revival, um, there's a rich history in the scriptures, but also in the church, of God showing up in some pretty powerful and uh, profound ways. And so revival, in essence, is when God shows up, maybe it's for a a season, and he does something um, where he, he acts in a way that is powerful amongst a group of people. And it's usually he moves people's hearts, he wakens people up, and we've talked about uh, a few different aspects of uh, what happens during a revival. And it, I'll be honest, the, the whole series came out of this, I guess, desire and conviction that I've really been feeling in the last few months and been praying through and been talking to God about. And, and here's the truth, is as I look at my own life and I look at my apathy, I realize that I can't stay in this place. That something's gotta happen. I, I've gotta be And that's part of what revival is, is people like myself who um, are Christians but have been Christians for a while and we've become sleepy Christians. Where we can look back on our own spiritual journey and there's been seasons in which we're just, we're on fire, it feels like God is right next to us, that when we pray and when we sing and when we read the scriptures that he is present. And then there are those seasons in which we go, yeah, I'm a Christian, whatever that means. And then there's this other desire that I have in which I see people who they would claim to be Christians, they're mere cultural, nominal Christians, they would check yes in the box on the quiz, and yet there is no relationship there. They don't know this God. They may not even have a desire to know this God. They just like the, the history of the church or they like being a part of, of, of this team or this tribe. Or, but there's no real relationship there. And so part of revival is praying that God would show up and would speak to those of us who maybe consider ourselves Christians but we don't know this God. And then of course, a big part of revival is that people who do not know, who do not know Christ and do not have a saving faith relationship with him, that they would be awoken to spiritual things that they would see their need for him and they would accept that that salvation and that forgiveness. And so that's something that we as a church have been praying for and we've been engaging in and we've been thinking about and talking about for a few weeks now and so this week we're gonna continue on with that. But before we do, let me just tell you a couple of the places that we've been so far. Each week we've been looking at elements of revival. First week we talked about rediscovering the scriptures. That the scriptures have been in the past um, incredibly powerful in people's lives and still are. But for some of us, it's just become this book that kind of has collected dust and we need to, as a, a generation, as a group of people, we need to rediscover those scriptures. The power, the influence, the worldview that they have that God is communicating to us and it's how, that we, how we can leave, live our lives for him. We need to rediscover the power of the scriptures. And then last week we talked about repentance. At the heart of not only a revival but of the Christian faith is repentance. That you cannot find salvation outside of repentance. That you must admit that you are broken, that you are in need of God's saving, that you can't fix yourself. And so um, I got to do that for three services last weekend. And so you might have walked out going, wow, that was, whew, my goodness, I feel convicted. I feel heavy. I feel like God, you know, was really revealing some things. By the third service, I was like laid out in the front row just going, okay, God, I get it. I get it. You have revealed who I am. I see clearly now, right? And, and so this whole week, I've kind of been wrestling through that, but also preparing um, for the third element that we see in revivals, which is worship. And so uh, if you're non-Christian or you're not sure what you believe or whatever, here's some common ground, is that um, I think it is safe to say, and I don't just say this as a Christian, I say this just as a human being, that we are worshipers. That everybody is created to worship. Now, you may not worship God, you may not worship the same God as me, you may have something that you, you're not even sure what you believe, but there is something intuitive to us that if you look throughout human history, every culture has worshipped. And it's manifested into different forms throughout human history, but everybody is going to make their life about this ultimate thing. It could be a person, it, it it, it could be really anything. Something becomes the purpose and focus of their life. And so I think that we can all agree that everybody worships, and if you have any doubt, I just want you to go maybe to either a concert or a sports event, because I've never seen people praise like they praise at a football game, <laughs> right? I mean, you, if you were, to, if you were to, to, to land on this planet and go to a football game, you would go, what is this God that they're worshiping? They paint themselves with these colors and they rip their shirts off and they drink beer in a park. What is going, what is this weird, this altar that they've come, because everybody worships. You go to a concert and you have people who are passionately singing to this band or or to this, this person. Everybody worships, we just can't help it. There's something within our DNA that has to worship. Jesus says in John 4, 23, he says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. So Jesus says, okay, everybody's gonna worship. You really have one of two options. You can have true worship or you can have false worship. False worship is... um, is what the Bible describes as idolatry. It is worshiping anything other than God. And so if you worship anything other than God, it's called idolatry. And here's what's tricky about the human heart, is that ever since uh, the fall of man, when we go back to Genesis and sin enters the world, Romans one, Paul tells us that because the world has spun out of control, that our desires have kind of gone away. And when that happened, Our desire to worship didn't stop, but we started worshiping the creation instead of the creator. We started worshiping the gifts instead of the giver. And so we have our hearts drawn towards worship and it is almost always um, in our our natural state, it's going to be towards something other than God. And so Tim Keller, one of my favorite authors and pastors, he says, you know, there's a way to tell what you really worship. And it's not to ask somebody what they worship. Because we didn't deceive ourselves so well, right? Oh yeah, I look great today. Okay. You know, like, no, we're blind. We're blind to the most obvious things in, in our life. And so he says, the way that you can know what you really worship is look at two things. Look at your dreams and look at your nightmares. Look at your dreams, the thing that you say, if I had this or if I can keep this, this person, if I can be in a relationship with them, then I would finally be fulfilled. Or the things that you think about when you don't have to think about anything else. So I, uh, I went on a family trip this week up to Northern California. Three young kids, eight hour drive in the car. I was considering talking about hell this weekend, um, but <laughs> decided not to. And so uh, we try to leave really, really, really early in the morning so that the kids sleep most of the way up there. And so for half of the ride, um, the car is really quiet. And so I have about four hours of complete silence. Now I can listen to something, I can just sit, I can drive, I can, and my mind is able to do something that I, I, because life is busy, just like yours, life is busy that I usually have things that I have to get accomplished, but all I'm doing is just trying to drive straight, that's it. And so my mind begins to wander. And Keller points out that whatever your mind wanders to is probably the thing that you really worship. If you consistently find yourself thinking about your career or that relationship or that hobby, or if that's where your mind goes, that's probably because that's where your heart is attached to. And so what do you think about when you don't have to think about anything else? The other thing he says is look at your nightmares. If you look at something and you say if I lose that, then I will lose the will to live. If I never get there, then I think my life is going to be wasted. If I'm most motivated to pray, when that thing is at risk, then it is probably an indication that that's where my worship really belongs, or really is. Is, um, and I've I've told you guys about this numerous times, is I've identified probably the number one uh, threat to God in my life, as far as my worship goes, and it's my family, and it's because I love my family, I love my wife, I love my kids, I think they're an incredible gift from God. That um, it, It's one of the, the best things in the world. The problem is, is because it is so good, it, it challenges, or it, it oftentimes tries to um, put God in second place. And they become the ultimate priority of my, my life. They become the thing that I care about most. They become the thing that I pray for the most. They become the thing, and they become the ultimate purpose and fulfillment of my life. And God says, look, those are great. I gave those to you, but those can never fulfill you. Those can never be the ultimate in your life. And so at the end of the day, the scripture tells us that idols are always going to break your heart. They're always gonna break your heart because it doesn't matter how good that person is. It doesn't matter how fulfilling and loving that relationship it is, or that career, or whatever. You're never going to be fulfilled. If you put all of your hopes and dreams and longings into someone or something, you will always be disappointed because it cannot bear that kind of weight. You are designed to be in relationship and find fulfillment in God. And so when you, when, you, when you start to put your trust in something else, it's always gonna be disappointing. It's never gonna turn out the way that you hoped. And so true worship, Jesus talks about true worship and it must be in spirit and truth. This is about being Uh, Worshiping in, in truth and love, it's about engaging your head and your heart because if you don't have one and you only have the other, you're gonna be missing something. So if you only have truth, but you do not have spirit, it's pharisaical, it's legalistic, but if you only have spirit, this emotion, it's emotionalism and it's idolatry, and so you must have both. You must worship God with your head and your heart. And so worship is about acknowledging, first and foremost, who God is. What is true of Him? And so when you think about God, what do you think of? Do you think about this guy in the sky who's sitting on a cloud with his beard and he's looking down on you and there's harps, I don't even know where you find those anymore, I guess heaven, you know, that's it, that's who God is? Because I would, I would challenge you that you need to get a new view of who God is. So this week we were up north and, and one of the things that they have up north that we don't have here um, is, uh, and they're still around, it's great, stars. They have stars up there. You can look up and you see stars, it's crazy. And so I showed my kids, look at that, that's crazy. And they're like, what, there's not smog up there? I'm like, yeah, no, there's, uh." and so I just took a moment and I kind of looked at it, and I just thought, how crazy is it that that goes on for billions of light years and that there is a creator who just spoke it into existence? Like, think how big that God is. Does that just, like, make you just feel like, I don't even know how to feel, actually. That's just so big, it's just grand, it's, and then yet there's this God and, and he's revealed himself not only in nature but through the person of Jesus and now I can know who he is and that he loves me and that he has grace and mercy and forgiveness and as you begin to think about who God is, hopefully it moves from your head into your heart and you start to go, you know, I don't deserve a relationship with this God. I can't even imagine why he even cares about me. It, he sustains my every breath. He doesn't need to do that. And when we begin to get a right view of who God is, and we begin to understand, and it begins to seek into our hearts, then we can also take a look at who we are, the truth of who each one of us is. And so I was here that last week um, was a week of repentance, and, and it was all um, leading up to that. And I've gotta be honest, is I realized, or maybe I was reminded of how fragile my ego is when I begin to see what's deep down inside my heart. Because there are those moments when God reveals to you or you're made aware of what's in your heart, and you, I think there's two responses to it, you wanna run or you wanna numb. I wanna run away from that because I don't want to believe that about myself, that that's down there, that that's the kind of person that I am, and so I run away, I'm very quickly going to go, no, 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 (laughs) that's not who I am, I'm a good person. Or I begin to numb. I begin to drink something that will make the pain go away. And yet as believers, when God starts to open up those areas of our life, when we begin to see, wow, I am broken, I'm really in need, I, I need somebody to come and to save me, it's in those moments that you can truly begin to worship. Because you sit there and you go, God, I'm a mess. I'm a mess, I can't fix myself. I've tried for many years to fix me, I've tried so hard to do everything, and that's great, but I realize that unless you show up, I can do nothing, I'm just gonna keep spinning my wheels, I'm gonna keep breaking these relationships, I'm gonna keep failing, I'm gonna keep being, I can't do this without you, you have to show up. And it's when we realize that we need God and we have to fall at his feet and just say, show up. Then we can begin to see what he's done for us. The truth is that we have to look at who God is, who we are, and then what he has done for us. He created you, he gave you life, he did not have to do, there was no need in him where he goes, you know, I could really, I mean, this whole eternity, love, it's great, but you know what I really need? Cody. I don't think that was a thought in his mind. I don't think he went, you know, I knew I was missing something, it's Cody, that kid, he's awesome. Kid, I'm not a kid, I'm an adult. Anyway, he didn't need to create me, he created me for my own benefit, so that I could know him. He didn't need to save me either. He could have looked at creation as it has rebelled against him and gone, let's start over, let's wipe it out. We don't need to do this. This is gonna be way too costly, costly for us to redeem this mess, and so let's just start over. And then after he does that, then he continues to bless me over and over again. So here's a reality check, is most of the things of your life, you don't deserve any of them. You did not choose when and where you were going to be born, what opportunities, what gifts and talents and resources that you were given. Everything has been a gift from God. And so before you get full of yourself, you better realize you had very little to do with it. Which brings incredible humility when we look at our life and we go, you're right, I don't deserve any of this stuff. It's simply been a gift. Romans 12 says that we are to live our lives, our entire lives as a, as a sacrifice, as a way of worshiping. And so worship takes place in, in every arena of our life. We can worship God by how we love other people. We can worship God by how we serve. We can worship God by reading the scriptures and by following his commands. All of these are forms of worship. However, there seems to be one type of worship that, um, that we're drawn to, and it's through music and song. It's almost become synonymous with worship is that we'll be singing together. And I think there's a couple reasons. One is because the scripture commands us to sing to him. So that's a good reason why we should do it. But the other is there is something intuitive. There's something powerful, something unique that happens through music. I think God has given us this gift of music and, and like any other gift that he has given us, it can be powerful and it can be dangerous. Sort of like sex, it can be powerful but yeah, it can be dangerous depending on how you use it. And so music is one of those things that it has the ability to penetrate your mind and your heart in a way that other things don't. It has the ability to form you and to shape you. In fact, it can, it can trans, uh, transform an entire society and culture just through music. And I think that's a gift, that's a tool, that's something that God has given us in order to bring uh, healing and power and strength into our life if used correctly. And so when God gave music, he said here, this is a gift to you, but be careful with it. It's no surprise that he would then command us to come together as his church, as his children, as a family and say, I want you to use this to my glory. I want you to come and I want you to sing together. It's called corporate worship in the scriptures. And corporate worship is something that we're told to do but while we do it, something unique happens. Psalm 22:3 3 says that God lives or is enthroned in our praises that somehow, and look, I don't mean to get too mystical here, but there is something powerful that happens when we unite together as a body and we sing to our God, something powerful happens, something transformative takes place. And it says that God shows up in a unique way. It's great to worship on your own, but that is preparation of worshiping together because God shows up as we sing together. And so when we come and we sing as believers, one of the things that I pray for and that I have seen happen as we beg God to show up is that God actually answers our prayers. Have you ever been in a worship service, if you're you're a church person and you just go, God is in this place right now. Like it's, it's as if he's here, like I can feel his very presence. That's what happens when we lean into worship As he honors that and he says, I'm gonna show up in your praises. It also begins to align our hearts with his as we sing. Even though everything in the world screams for my attention and my heart might be drifting away from him and my circumstances and situations are a mess, what happens when I begin to sing in unison with other believers is God starts to align my heart with his. It's kind of like, I imagine it like this. is When my kids are trying to get my attention, and they'll be over here, dad, 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 dad. And I'm like, I get it, I know, you. pretty pictures, great. you know. And I'm just, I got things going on. And, and when they really, really want to get my attention, what they'll do is they'll grab my cheeks and they'll bring my face face to face with them and they'll go, dad, I need to tell you something. And you're going, I can't wait to hear what this is gonna be, you know? (laughs) Like, what does a four year old need to tell me? But that's kind of what happens when we worship is God goes, here, this is what I'm doing. I'm aligning your heart with mine. It's been drifting. It's been pulled away from me. And in these moments, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna bring you back and we're gonna align because I have some things that need to happen. I have some things that I need to say to you. I have some gifts that I wanna give to you. And so we're able to enter into this moment with him where we can praise and celebrate who He is and we can also experience healing and comfort. This is the way that, or one of the ways that God has really chosen to feed our souls, is He has chosen to do it through praise, through, through worship. And so when we come together and we sing, God is really saying, I, you, need a, you need sustenance and one of the ways that I'm gonna feed you is going to be through corporate worship together. And as that begins to happen, you can also start to fight the battles of your life. Because here's what I think about when I think about worship, is most of the time when I come into worship, I have an incredible amount to praise and to celebrate God for, and I do, but there is a lot that I need to fight through. And there's probably a lot that you need to fight through too. And so when you come in here, worship is a weapon to fight against the enemy in which you may not feel like worshiping. In fact, the time that you need to worship most is the time that you feel least like worshiping. And then when you step into that and you lean into that praise, even though my life is a mess and things aren't going well, what you're doing is an act of faith. You're stepping into worship and you're saying, God, I don't feel like worshiping. It doesn't feel like you're here. I don't know how you're gonna fix this. And yet, I'm stepping out in faith and saying, I trust you and so I worship you. John Wesley, in the 1700s, who was a leader of one of the great revivals in Europe, he gave some tips for worship. And this was a few hundred years ago, and I love it because it just reminds me that humanity, we're all the same at the end of the day. 300 years ago and today, we still have the same stuff. And so here, let me give you two of his tips for worship. Here's what he says, he says, first tip is sing all. See that you join with the congregation as frequently as you can. Let not a slight degree of weakness or weariness hinder you. If it is a cross to you, take it up, and you will find a blessing. <laughs> I love this. So here's what he said, I didn't say this. This is what he says, okay? He says, Quit making excuses, quit trying to avoid, and show up, be here every weekend together. I didn't say this, I, wouldn't, I would say, I agree with him, okay? But he, this is what he's saying, don't let your schedule or apathy or drama keep you away because the enemy wants to keep you from this place. I don't know if you've experienced this, but the most difficult days of the week for me are church days. My kids are on another level on those days. I just go, you, do I need to like exercise something out of you right now, because this is insanity. And so he says, be here, and then he also says, every believer is a singer, whether you got the gift or not. <laughs> this is great, he says this, he says, he says, if it's a cross you, take it up and you will find it a blessing. What he's saying here is, if you are not a great singer, if you don't enjoy it, you feel uncomfortable, look at it as a sacrifice to the Lord that you're singing. Other people around you will recognize it's a sacrifice as well, and they'll go, good for you. And then here's a second tip. This is a great word he uses. He says, sing lustily and with good courage. Beware of singing as if you were half dead or half asleep, but lift up your voice with strength. Be no more afraid of your voice now, no more ashamed of it being heard, and this is so fire right here, Then when you sing the songs of Satan. (laughs) Okay, here's what he's saying. Again, I didn't say this, okay? I'm just contextualizing it for you. He says, I've seen you at Coachella. I've seen you at Stagecoach. I know that you can sing. I know that you are not ashamed to step up there. Maybe you got a little liquid courage in you. I don't know, but here's what I do know. If you can sing those songs with those people, don't come into here and give God your second best. Again, I didn't say this. John said this, okay? <laughs> and so he says come in here and be prepared and ready to worship. You don't come in here half asleep. Can I just get in your kitchen? It's 10.45, I'm done after this, so whatever. Let's just go for it, okay? Let me just get like, a little bit in some people's kitchen real quick is, When people habitually come in and miss the worship or they leave early, I want to grab them by the shoulders and say, you're missing it. They're not a warm up act, dude. They're not preparation for receiving the message. No, 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 this is to feed your soul. you, You need to show up here early and eager and going, okay, God, let's do this. We're gonna do some work right now. You're gonna work on my soul, and I'm gonna praise you, and we're gonna grind, and we're gonna get, get in there. Right? Those are all the people that show up on time that are clapping right there. The rest of you guys are like, I knew I didn't like him. I knew it. This is my last, last thing I wanna say is this, is uh, scripture tells us that when we come and we worship and we praise, it's not just a vertical thing that's happening. It's not just us glorifying God, although that is the main purpose. The other thing that's taking place is something horizontal. That we are to come into worship in order to glorify God but also to build one another up. And so the purpose of coming together and singing together, the reason why that's so powerful is because we are encouraging one another in the faith as we sing these songs of praise. And so I hear people's stories constantly And I know that people walk in here, and they're ready to celebrate, because the diagnosis came back, and it's clean, and because there's a new kid, and because there's, and they just, their life is going awesome, and they're going, let's party together, let's celebrate how good God is. But I also know that there's people who are walking in here, and they're going, I'm really lost. And I'm coming here for answers, and you know, I, I think that if there is a God, He's trying to tell me something right now, and I just feel like I'm supposed to surrender. I'm supposed to give my life to him. And then as he looks over at you and you are just fully with arms raised and total abandoned, surrendering to God, he's going, that's who I need to be. That's what God is calling me to do with my whole life. There's also people who walk in here and they're incredibly broken. The stories that I hear sometimes give me nightmares of what's going on in your lives. And they walk in here and they they need to worship and they need you to worship because God brings healing through our praises. He touches our heart through our praises and and they may be so broken that they can't even say the the words to the songs, they are just soaking in it and as you sing and as you praise, you are praying a prayer over them and they're receiving this incredible healing because God is using you as a mouthpiece to speak to them. Sometimes I walk in here and it's uh, it's a battle cry I don't know if, you, uh, if you've ever had one of those seasons where you have to worship because this is the only thing that's gonna fix it. I feel like every time that I push forward in my faith, and this happens as a church and this happens individually, is every time that I try to push forward or we as a church try to lean into what God has for us, this is one of the things that affirms and confirms my faith is the enemy is going to push back as hard as possible. It, it, I can put it on the calendar. If I'm gonna try to pursue God, things are gonna hit the fan. And so when I come in here, there are many Sundays in which I don't feel like worshiping. I don't feel like preaching. I don't feel like being here. And here's what I've realized, is that I have to use my worship as a weapon if I'm going to defeat the enemy. And so there are people in here who, as we're worshiping, they're not just singing a song, they're crying for God to show up because there are some chains that need to be broken, there is addiction, there is healing, there is restoration, there is a pain and agony that they can't express with words, but they are just giving to God and hoping that he shows up. And if you sit there with your arms crossed, shame on you. Because they need to hear you sing. See, you need to sing because this is how God feeds your soul, but I need you to sing just as much, because I I need to hear that God is still good, that he's still going to show up, that he's still faithful, and so when you don't feel like singing, look at it as they need me to sing. uh, We've been talking about what kind of church we want to become, and my prayer is that this becomes a community of believers who show up here, and they are passionate about hearing from God about going, God, what are you gonna say to us? How how are you gonna show up? I'm here, my arms are open, I'm ready to do this, just speak to me. I can't wait, I'm counting down the days until I get to be with my church family again because I know that you're gonna show up in a powerful way, not, ah, can I make it here this weekend or not? We've been praying for a revival and I believe that God is beginning to answer that prayer but we must remember that revival always begins with each one of us. Our prayer is, Lord, bring revival and let it begin with me. And so I want to spend these last few moments, and you know what, I'm probably going to run way over time. Every service I've gone longer, I'm sorry. But I just want to worship for a little bit. I just want to, I I asked the band to do some songs, and you know, I'd ask that you hang out and you worship with us too, because I just feel like we need God to show up. Let me pray for us, Lord God, as we enter into this time of worship. And we really, we lean into these moments of praise. I don't know what kind of season people are in. I, I don't know what's going on. I've heard stories. I, I know people. I, I've experienced it. I, Lord, there is, there's people who are here to celebrate and praise how good you have been to us. And Lord, I, I thank you for that. And you have been so good to us. And there are people who are in a season of brokenness, where they need to hear from you, where they need direction. They need to just show up that their heart's need to express this this desire, these emotions that can only be done through praise and through worship. And so, Lord God, I pray that you would show up right now. That as we sing together, as a body, as a family, that you would be in our praise. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In name we pray. Amen.